Hey you guys, welcome back to another episode of Off Filtered, or wow, Off Kilter, No Filter. See, we're already starting out. And that's because this week, uh, we are talking about M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. Um, yes. So I am your host, Byron Alexander, joined by my awesome ass co-host, Mrs. Tammy Chase. Yes, hello. And uh, yeah, this one is going to be a little bit different. Now, I want to preface it by saying this will not be, at least not entirely, a dragging of M. Night Shyamalan. Um, I am prepared to give him some space and grace because um, I am an evolving human being. I also mm-hmm. understand that even though his name's on the project and it, and the book is supposed to stop with him, um, you know, you can't control everything. Um, but I'll, I'll expand on more of that later. So, okay. you want to go? For- and this might be a shorter episode than usual, too. It is, cause, because, I mean, you know. There's only so much <clears throat> that we can talk about when it comes to this mm-hmm. because I'm I'm I've only seen one out of his films. Yeah, I've seen four, so. <laughs> and I mean honestly, that was that was too much. <laughs> it was, yeah, in my well, opinion. So yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm you know I the only one I saw was The Village, mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't as bad. I guess, you know, I, I had no preconceived notions because in 2004, M. Night was not, you know, as, I guess, as known. I guess maybe he was because of Signs and Sixth Sense and Unbreakable or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I never saw any of those. So, so I know I'm the only person on the planet that hasn't seen The Sixth Sense. Meh. Uh, the, the only scene I've ever seen is the one that, that they play in the movie Fifty First Dates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's it. Uh, and I never saw Unbreakable, and I never saw Signs, mm. and or the others. But uh, as far as the ones that came before The Village, now when I watched it, it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was actually not. I mean, it was kind of an interesting story, and I'm we're gonna give some some uh, spoilers here because goddamn, that's like 17 years old. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, spoilers, spoilers. It was, it was, yeah, it, 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 it was released the same year my son was born. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should go out and see it if you're, but I liked the idea of the, the story about these people who are so upset and so hurt and so damaged by the world that they go off onto this rich person's property and kind of form their own little village on this nature preserve kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of, I mean, cause I can kind of relate to, I think we can all kind of relate to that to a certain degree. It's like, mm-hmm. man, if I could just find a place where I could just like be by myself or just with a couple people yeah. and that's it, well, that's like that'd be great. The communes so, and stuff from like the sixties and seventies. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, you know, I kind of liked that. I liked the idea that the, <laughs> the one that they send out, is blind, you know, to to get help, right? Mm-hmm. Is that is that, am I right that that's what happens? Uh, I didn't they... see the village. The village oh, came okay, out well. after signs, and after signs, yeah. I was done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, she, <laughs> I got you, and I never saw signs. So, I mean, he's had some heavy hitter actors though mm-hmm. in all his movies, but I mean, I I ne- I she. There's like people are, are something happens and they need a real doctor. Mm-hmm. So this girl, uh, the, this blind girl, 
is the only one that offers to go. And so she does. Uh, and it's actually Ron Howard's daughter, oh. Bryce Dallas Howard. Okay. Um, that's the actress. And uh, hence the gingerness. <laughs> and she, she has to go through these woods to get to this road. Um, and so we don't know. I mean, here's, here's, you know, M. Night's signature plot twist, right? Mm -hmm. Is we think it's like some kind of village back in the day because the way they're living is not modern. It's, it's kind of almost Amish in a way because mm -hmm. um, they've given up a lot of modern technology, you know, 21st century stuff. And so she goes so she can help um, find, you know, so she can go get a doctor or whatever they kind of tell her. Uh, so, so by the time the way it ends up is she ends up at a road and a, 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 a modern car drives by her and then you realize, holy crap. And you see a sign that talks, that says it's, a uh, 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 private property, a wildlife preserve, pri private property owned by the, the, the village's leader's family. Mm. She doesn't see that because, yeah, she blind. Right. <laughs> but we as the audience see that, and then it's like, oh, oh, my gosh. So then it comes out later, you know, what had, that these people had all, like, they'd had children killed, mm. that, you know, that they've, they've all just been really damaged and hurt by the modern world. Mm -hmm. So they go off and live on this uh, millionaire's wildlife preserve. Mm. Um, so that way they can... Um, in fact, it's, it's, it's a wildlife preserve. So there's like, um, they even paid off the government. So it's a not a no fly zone, um, all that stuff. So they were, they've been isolated for, you know, since the 1970s, I guess. Oh, so it's how long the commune. There you go. Mm, yeah. Interesting. See? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of famous people in it. Um, besides Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, there's Joaquin Phoenix, Adrian Brody, mm. William Hurt, Sigourney Weaver, Brendan Gleeson. So See, that's the thing. His movies, they have really good ideas, and mm -hmm. they and they explore like really cool themes. The problem is its execution. Okay. For me, because mm -hmm. like the way you just explained it, that sounds interesting. That sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. But sitting through the movie, and it wasn't bad. For well, I don't know about the village. The village, I I didn't watch, but. Well, it was. It did have. It did have its moments as far as like it kind of kept you on the edge of your seat because she's walking through this forest blind by herself, <laughs> and they warn her about monsters and stuff. Mm. So there, there's she. She, you know, has to, has to. Uh, she, she, you know, trips over stuff. I mean, there's, you know, there's like a whole. Um, a whole thing about you know how she has to navigate her way through this, mm. and her courage and all that kind of stuff. So actually, this movie wasn't that bad. I mean, I I would uh, would I see it again? Maybe only because it's been 17 years since I saw it. I did not see it in the movie theater, mm -hmm. but I did see it on DVD as soon as it came out mm. after it was in the movie theater. So it's been since I guess I, at the latest would be 2005, mm -hmm. like a year after it came out. Mm. So would I see it again? Maybe. Uh, would I recommend it? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I would. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, uh, lots of people. I, it's funny. 
lots of people have not liked it very much, mm-hmm. but it also was a financial success because it was only a sixty million dollar budget, mm-hmm. but it grossed two hundred fifty million. And that's how he stays in business because pretty mm-hmm. much all of his movies, save for like two or three, um, have small budgets. Um, low budgets. Yeah, very low budgets, but they make um, you know five or ten times that at the at the box office. Um, so how does he do that with some of these heavy hitter? I don't know. Uh, it must be like they're whatever's in the contract or it's like, hey, you're not going to get so much money up front, but you'll get, you know, money from you'll get a percentage from the box office gross. I guess sure. that's like the back end type thing. Yeah, I will not speak on that with with authority because I that is not in my wheelhouse that I don't know. Yeah. Um, I can say like I've observed where like with interviews and stuff that a lot of time some of the big name actors will do quote unquote smaller movies or mid range films because it shows that they have range. Like they're, they're willing to do this smaller project cause they believe in it or they believe in a director or the story will like allow them to show a different side of themselves that, you know, the public isn't used to seeing them, you know, seeing from the, or a performance that we're not used to seeing from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all of that could be, you know, be factors into it. Because I, like Mel Gibson, of course, well, before all the controversy, like he was still Mel Gibson and he's in Signs. And it's like, why are you here? <laughs> like, you're, yeah. you're Mel Gibson. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and it's not necessary to belittle M. Night Shyamalan because I, I won't take it away from him. Like, he he clearly is still working. Like, he's, he's found something that works for him. Um. This my main takeaway is that it, for me his his movies being in the horror or thriller genre, mm-hmm. they're not scary and they're boring to me. Um, a large part of it, it just it seems to drag on. Um, like even the Sixth Sense, which I liked the Sixth Sense the first time I saw it, I was twelve. Mm-hmm. But The Sixth Sense wasn't actually anything new to me because I grew up watching Are You Afraid of the Dark and oh, yeah. and Goosebumps. Yeah. And so the story of the main character talking to a dead person and at the end of the story, it was revealed that that person is dead, right? Like, you don't know that at the beginning, but you find out at the end. Right. Like, I kind of saw that coming. Um, but there were parts in The Sixth Sense that kind of dragged on for me. Like I was in, granted I was 12, but I was like, I'm kind of bored. Like the only thing I remember is I see dead people. And then yeah. I get spoofed by a, um, a scary movie. So at the end of the movie, and again, spoilers, it's 17 years old. Actually, shit, it's 22 years yeah. old. Yeah. 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 Those are the old, even old. older than the old. And everybody knows now that Bruce Willis was, um, was dead. Um, mm mm-hmm. At the end of I even knew that and I never saw the movie. Exactly. Um, and so I guess the real like intrigue for, for people in the movie and why they really give it as much prestige as it as they have is because of the, the different directorial choices he made to set all that up. Mm-hmm. Like anytime there was a dead person around or in the scene, there was like always something red in the scene and um you know, you go back and you rewatch it and you pick up on this or that or whatever, whatever. I'm like, I've seen different analysis of the movies. And to me, I'm like, I mean, eh, it sounds it sounds cool in theory, but it just comes off as pretentious to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> to me. And, and then mm-hmm. 
eh, it's not really scary. Is like with a horror movie, I I want to be scared. Now, not necessarily terrified, but you know, sure, give me sure. something. Yeah. Um, yeah, you wanted something like, you know, Silence of the Lambs or something. Yeah, that, or... That, that was kind of scary. Or... That was a psychological thriller. Right, or... Uh, I don't know, Tales from the Hood scared me. But, yeah. yeah, or Candyman scared me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Don't even start on Candyman. Right? That did a number <laughs> on me. But it was yeah. my fault because yeah. my parents told me not to watch it. And I didn't watch it all the way through, but they were watching it on TV. And so I, I would, like, go and... and Oh, yeah, so quick aside, this is Dolph Kilter. So what had happened was, uh, <laughs> it was on a weekend, I remember this, um, mm. and I guess I had gotten in trouble or, or low grades or something in school, whatever. So as my punishment, I couldn't have TV for the weekend. Okay. So um, my parents were watching Candyman and like, well, I wanted to like spend time with them and really I just wanted to watch TV. Um, yeah. But I couldn't. So they were they watched Candyman. So I like come out and like, kind of like stand in the in the corner because they were in the living room so i come down the hallway and like stand in the corner kind of like watch over their shoulders mm-hmm. and like the, the stuff that i'd pick up on i'm like oh yeah no i can't watch this but i got enough of it to know that i shouldn't have watched candy because that motherfucker was in my <laughs> dreams for like the next yes. three weeks yes. it is it's it's yeah. scary yeah it really is so uh but yes, that scared me so much so that I didn't see the new one that came out last year. It's like I'm good. <laughs> but that's because that what's called old. Yeah, but that's when. But that's because it scared me. I'm not scared of an M Night Shyamalan movie. Other than it's like I'm gonna waste another three hours of my life. Like shit, I could do that playing a video game. I uh, I don't. Yeah. Again, I'm trying not to drag this man, but the Sixth Sense was okay. Unbreakable, I liked. I liked and yeah, disliked. Yeah, what's about the ending? Okay, yeah, so you said you didn't, you liked it, but you didn't like the ending. Yeah, and Doug was Doug was kind of wondering about that too, mm-hmm. because Doug likes that movie, and so I like I like it as a superhero movie. Um, and it's again the idea is really cool. So long story mm-hmm. short, Unbreakable is if you discover you have superpowers, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? How do the people around you do with that? Like, because it's a discovery for everybody, right? Sure. Um, you know, and then, of course, if you have superpowers, um, then an antithesis has to be made that somewhere, right? Because the universe has to balance itself. It's kind of similar to uh, the Matrix. Like, if there's Neo and he's the one, then Smith is his opposite or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway... The movie is the exploration of that. And Samuel Jackson is in it. Um, and he kind of plays, again, the magical Negro trope because he's, like, explaining all of this to Bruce Willis's character of, like, superheroes, supervillains, powers, blah, 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 all that. And it's mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting. It's like, that's a really cool idea. Um, there's scenes where Bruce Willis is, like, discovering that he can bench press, like, a 1,000 pounds or something like that. Um, and then the his nemesis or whatever who I I don't even remember I don't even know if that person has a name or not but like this dude in a trench coat is killing people, and and he and Bruce Willis finally come into conflict with each other or whatever. Um, what I remember it's been now granted now it's been haha twenty years because that was two thousand and two goodness it's been twenty years since I've seen the movie but. Um, 
leading up to the ending, apparently Bruce Willis's weakness is water. Okay. And I'm just, I'm doing the math in my head. Like, so how does that work? Because that means... Well, I brought that up to Doug. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, that was the, the part of the question. And he said it's because he sinks. So he can take a shower and stuff. Okay. It's just because if he gets into large bodies of water, he'll sink and drown. Well, see, this is, well, that makes it even more funny because, um, okay. so the way the movie ends, I'm going to jump around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil some more movies. Sure. Yeah, go for it. So <laughs> the way that the Unbreakable ends, you remember in the 80s, in the 90s, um, like TV movies, how it would just freeze frame and it had like a caption, like this character went yeah. to market, this character went to this, mm-hmm. this character did that. That's how this two and a half hour movie ends. It just ends. So um, Samuel Jackson's character, uh, Mr. Glass is his name. He's like, he's revealed to be the villain. I guess somehow he conjured, I don't remember how, but he's the one that like conjured up the trench coat dude. Or he's connected to the trench coat dude, whatever. He's revealed to be like the, the real bad guy or whatever. But he's, He's like shouting at Bruce Willis's character, like, you know, I did this for you and I'm not the bad guy and whatever, whatever, whatever. And something to the effect of like, you need me, you like, like you need me, you need a, a villain in order for you to be a hero type of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it just freeze frames and stops. And it's like, well, Mr. Glass did X, Y, and Z. And Bruce Willis's character went on about his life and this character did this. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Wow. You're just going to yeah, end okay. like that? Seriously? Yeah, that's kind of, that's, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like that that's, I mean, I, I like hearing about what the characters do later, mm-hmm. you know? Like, because you can, you can do kind of, you can, you can sum up their lives more that way. Because George Lucas does that at the end of, like, American Graffiti and that kind of stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But with a movie like Unbreakable, it just seems lazy. It was. And this is what really cracks me up about that. So, that was 2002. In 2000, mm. what was it? 16? 17? Somewhere in there. Split comes out. 2016. So, Split comes out. And Split does really good at the box office. And that's the one with James McAvoy. And he has like 20-something personalities. And it's supposed to be like a psychological horror thriller, whatever. I didn't see that. Because it's in my Shyamalan. But apparently, the twist at the end of the movie is that it's mm-hmm. connected to Unbreakable. Okay. So then, apparently, uh, James McAvoy's character, from what I understand, and I could be wrong, but from what I, what I heard, because I did not see the movie, but from what I heard, um, one of his personalities was the trench coat dude. Okay. So that's how they make the connection. Okay. Okay. So then they follow that up with Glass, so now they're exploring um, Samuel Jackson's character and they sure. bring everybody yeah. together. So they bring Bruce Willis back, everybody from Unbreakable, they bring it back, whatever, whatever. Bruce Willis's character dies in a fucking puddle. Like he drowns in a puddle. I'm like, how does that happen? I mean, it's a little bit bigger than a puddle, but I mean, he, he drowns. I was like, seriously? Yeah. And he's only in the movie for um, all of, I don't know, 10 minutes maybe. And so like this whole time, apparently... Uh, Bruce a Will- flooded pothole. Yeah, like, come on now, seriously, really? 
Get out of here. Well, according to Wikipedia, a SWAT officer drowns David in a flooded pothole. Get out of my face. Yeah. Especially if you have... The water has made him weak, so he can't fight the SWAT officer. Yeah, whatever. See, again, yeah. how is water your fucking weakness? So you can take a shower. Mm-hmm. Can you drink water? Right? Yeah, the, he can. He just, if he gets his head underwater or like that kind of thing, it... It take, so he, he can shower. It just takes away his, his strength. So really? And then also, mm-hmm. yeah, and then if he's in large bodies of water, he'll sink to the bottom. But that's the other and not thing. not be able to get out. In Unbreakable, he fights the trench coat dude in a shower. Because I don't even remember <laughs> if it was his house or not, but, like, they, they end up fighting. And, of course, it's the big. Consistency. Yeah, it's like a big, you know, because it's, it's supposed to be the climax between the hero and the villain. And they end up mm-hmm. in a, like, falling through the roof of a house or something like that. And they end up fighting in the shower and I was just again I'm like how is your weakness water like your body's made up of what 60 to 70 or whatever percent of water whatever it is so it's like are you fighting yourself the entire time yeah you know just stuff like that (laughs) and again that abrupt ending really Mm -hmm. irritated me I was like this movie was pretty good up until then it's like you're just gonna stop right there seriously garbage yeah. You see, I'm still I mad about that. That was that 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I just have never, I don't know. I liked The Village, but it, I only watched it because uh, my ex watched it, you know, DVD on. But I've never just, you know, like, <clears throat> I like the, the <clears throat> excuse me, the animation, Last Airbender. Yeah. So I was like. I'm not going to watch that movie. Don't. It's not. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not the not same, and it is terrible. I did not spend money to see it. It came on Nickelodeon, and I, I think they played it kind of like a, as a joke. Mm-hmm. This is where I'll give M. Night Shyamalan a little bit more space. Just a little. The problem with his adaptation of The Last Airbender is that it was too soon. Also... His casting choices were pretty bad, and he changed the characterization of each character. Uh So with all those things working against the movie, it was pretty much set up to fail. He did the movie because he was a fan of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You could be a fan. But the problem was the movie came out in, what, 2010, I think? Let me see. Mm-hmm. Yes, 2010. But The Last Airbender, the cartoon, ended in 2008. And, like, in the summer of 2008. So that's literally a year and a half. Yeah. So as an audience uh, member or as a viewer, not only have I been invested in the show because I was a fan, but I still have a very clear memory of, you know, the characterization of Aang and in mm-hmm. Team Avatar and so on and so forth. Um, so then to have this adaptation of the first season and it be completely different, it's like, yeah, that's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. Like, basically what's happening is somebody is taking what you like about um, a property and making these drastic changes. And that's really going to, like, drive you up a wall, especially if you're attached to said property, right? Right, right. It's like somebody else coming in playing with your toys and, and like, playing with them the wrong way. You know what I mean? It's like they're your toys. Well, you know how this works. It's like that. It's like that with any book adaptation or mm-hmm. any of the other 
movies are like you know about spider-man or mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. and eh, it was it was it was bad it was really bad like ang first like ang and i say ang because that's how the that's the creators of the show named him ang so he changes it yeah. to ong like it's pronounced ong it's like it's ang we know him as ang <laughs> So there's that. Yeah, it was always Aang. Uh-huh. Yeah. Second, the characterization of Aang is like this happy-go-lucky kid who becomes um, a little bit world-weary because of the war that's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's still like really like peppy, jovial, you know, spirited. The way that he's portrayed in the movie, since he's a monk, he's very you know uh, stoic and calm and really just bland it's like very stereotypical monk at that i was like mm-hmm. yeah i don't like that either uh, <laughs> and then the yeah. the effects because of course he's the avatar so they get the glowing eyes things down but um of course that's saved toward the end of the movie and then he's supposed to turn into like the the moon spirit or whatever in terms of like a giant fish mm-hmm. um they do that and that looks Interesting, even for 2010, it's like mm, okay. Um, and and again, the audience attachment, like we still have a very clear, vivid memory of the cartoon and how the cartoon ended, and it ended pretty damn strong. So for this to be the follow up to that was mm-hmm. very disappointing. Yeah. So there's all that. There's all of that. And this is also after The Happening and Lady in the Water, which were yeah. also terrible-ass movies. I was, <laughs> I was reading... A, I've, uh, I happened to catch some of The Happening when it was on TV. Sure. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And why is this happening? Like, I get what you did there, M. Night, but seriously, what the fuck? And again, the idea was kind of cool, especially in 2008. What the happening, the the twist is that um, it especially in 2008, where this is the end of the Bush administration, um, the movie came out. When did the movie come out? Uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out in June. Uh, so it was it was still during the Bush administration. It was all this talk about terrorism, bioterrorism, so on and so forth, of course. So the idea is that some terrorist organization has released a, a biochemical and is making people lose their fucking minds. Um, and it eventually kills them. But no, it's not the terrorists. It's actually the planet. Because you know what? We're destroying the planet and the planet is fighting back. There you go. We're not the bio or there's no bio uh, weapon out there. We're the virus now that we live through 2020. That movie might have made more sense, just say. But in 2008, mm-hmm. people weren't ready to have that kind of conversation. We were having a different That's true. one. You're right. So, <laughs> again, the idea I like. It's interesting. Like, huh, let's have that conversation. But his execution is like, the fuck is this? And again, I'm speaking as somebody who's burned from watching Unbreakable. Just saying. That 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 really like <laughs> marred me. But that was the first one. The second one, I guess it wasn't his movie, but he helped produce it, was The Others. 
and the others was boring to me. It wasn't scary, and it was it was boring. Um, and again, it was the same kind of twist where we're following around Nicole Kidman um, mm-hmm. and her family, and they turn out to be the ghosts. And so what they see as ghosts are, are quote-unquote, real people who live in the house. So it's one of those stories where it's like, if you're seeing a ghost, you're, or you're a ghost to somebody else type of thing, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and when, when you sit and think about it, so long story short, before you know that Nicole Kidman and her family are, are the ghosts, um, it does, the story is set up to be in like the, the, early, or the, the late 19 teens, like 19, it's after World War I, I believe. Okay. Right. Um, or like set during. It's set during the war. So her husband is like off fighting the war and they make it seem as though um, he was killed in battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the story progresses, there's they keep referencing this day. It's always like, oh, well, remember that day, that day. But they never tell you what it is or, well, they, they don't tell you what it is until like towards the end of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, the husband returns home and everybody's all happy okay. to see him and whatever, whatever, whatever. Of course, you know, they have the the I'll make love to you moment. And then he like walks off into the distance, like disappears into the fog or whatever, because he's going back off to war. Yeah, It's how the family takes it. Right. As the audience, we're looking like so he like walked out of the fog and turned around and walked back into the fog by himself. Like, yeah, that motherfucker's dead. OK. So you get to the end of the movie. Oh, and, and uh, one of the other things is that they can't be in sunlight. Okay. Um, because the kids have like a, they have an aversion to sunlight because it, it, it's an actual real, dis- it's an actual real disorder. I forget what it's called, sure. but um, all the, like the, the kid, everybody wears all black. They have like blackout curtains. There's no sun. Uh, the, mm-hmm. They can't be like in direct daylight, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's housekeepers there that always like just look really mysterious for no reason um, but they know what happened on quote unquote that day as well so anyway at the end of the movie you find out that the father came home from the war but of course he he survived the horrors of war but took it out on the family so he killed everybody oh yeah oh but um they don't remember that. It's one of those things like in Supernatural, like how you don't remember when you die, so you're like stuck right, in the loop. Sure. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. But then they find out, or will we find out that they're the ghosts and they're they're haunting people who live in the house. We're made to believe at the beginning of the movie that they're the ones being haunted. That's a cool idea. My problem with the movie is that it's slow, boring, and not scary. I'm like, oh shit, we sat for two and a half hours and that's it? That's it. <laughs> like, really? You had this already? Yeah. It? And it doesn't make sense where I'm like, so wait, if the husband killed everybody or whatever, so what, when he came back, was that his spirit like coming back to say he was sorry or what? I'm kind of confused by that. So that was that movie. Signs. Ugh. Not only was it too long, 
and I, I knew I knew I shouldn't have watched it because on the back of the DVD, my my, uh, my mom rented it back mm-hmm. when there was still like family video and stuff like that. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Blockbuster. Right. Yeah. Remember that, kids? I know you don't now. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, so she rented it. And on the back of the DVD case, one of the reviews said that you have to watch this movie twice to really understand it. And I was like, mm, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign at all. I was like, hey, what the hell? I watch it. I ain't got nothing to do. So, sit through the movie. And the things that really bother me about it, again, it's boring. Mm -hmm. The alien, you don't really see. This is before I realized, like, you know, how you spend your budget on things. They didn't spend their budget on an alien. So, you don't really see the alien. Or you see, like, quick glimpses or flashes of, of, like, the alien presence. Mm-hmm. They have like their their spaceship on camera, so of course the world is going crazy because um, aliens invade. This is this is back in um, in like the early two thousands where like crop signs or uh, crop circles um, mm-hmm. were like a big thing. I yeah, I remember when the movie came out. Yeah, yeah. So they were going off of that, right? Like all these crop circles are popping up, and what do they mean? And blah blah blah. And um, uh the alien shows up you don't see it and when you get a glimpse of it i'm like that's the ashiest motherfucker i ever seen seriously y'all y'all calling him an alien okay m night like like i'm not taking it there but i'm just going like hmm got you um and the dialogue and i've noticed this with his movies the dialogue is so fucking slow like from the yeah. like pleasantries of just like hey how you doing, or if they're trying to have like a serious dramatic conversation, every time they speak, the characters interact with each other. There's always these dramatic pauses, and I was like, why? <laughs> like, like hi John, dramatic pause. Hi Jody, dramatic pause. How are you today? Dramatic pause. I am fine. Dramatic pause. You, dramatic pause. Like that's, I'm like, damn. What you? And there's, and, <sighs> and there's no, there's no inflection either. None. Yeah. Very, very uh, wooden. Very quietly. Yes. And very woodenly. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, this is the stiffest crap I've ever seen. And then I didn't get it, and I'm not watching it again to understand it. I could read Wikipedia, but this is how, this is how much this movie just scarred me. Um. Apparently Mel Gibson's wife like she she dies um at the beginning of the movie or like in a flashback. Um mm-hmm. and so she dies in a car accident. And but before she does, apparently she had like a prophetic vision or something. She knew that the aliens were coming. Um yeah. and so she's telling Mel Gibson, you know, and like this very it's a you know that whole cryptic message trope like it seems like nonsense but it makes sense at the end of the movie type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the Mel Gibson's daughter has all of these jars of water around the house. And apparently, again, the alien's weakness is water. I don't know what it is with M. Night Shyamalan and water being a weakness, but hey, yeah. maybe he's scared he can't swim. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But um, so all these things of water around the house, the alien finally, like, Mel Gibson and the alien finally come into conflict with each other. I forget how. 
Um, I th- oh, because M. Night Shyamalan also has a, uh, has a thing of casting himself in the movie. Fine, it's your movie. You do whatever you want. Apparently... Yeah. Stephen King does that. Yeah. So apparently uh, M. Night Shyamalan's character captures an alien in the basement and ends up like cutting off two of its fingers. And and then he leaves. Um, like him and Mel Gibson have a have a very long exchange. And I mean long just because of that that wooden dialogue again. Yeah. And then yeah. and then my Shyamalan's character is like in shock, and so he finally snaps out of it and then leaves. But he leaves the alien in the basement. Of course, the alien gets out. Um, oh, because M. Night Shyamalan and Mel Gibson are neighbors. So the alien makes his way over to Mel Gibson's house through some series of events. Um, and then at the end of it, um, Mel Gibson's brother, I think, or brother-in-law, whatever, he he used to be an ex, um, or he's an ex-baseball player, so he takes the bat and starts swinging at all of the jars of water and it lands on the alien and basically kills the alien, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking to myself, like, where the hell did any of this happen? How does any of this make sense? And why the fuck did it take you damn near three hours to get to this point? I was mad. I'm still mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm still mad. <laughs> and I know it's been a minute. And I know it's not that serious. I'm just saying all this to lay the foundation of why I refuse to watch any more M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong's movies. I can't do it. Any of them. <laughs> yeah, None. Yeah. After Earth apparently was an M. Night Shyamalan movie. That I didn't know. But even my sister figured out that the twist apparently... Um, with um, what's his name with Will Smith and his son starring they find a girl and the girl ends up being his sister something like that whatever <laughs> I'm like okay uh, I'm good I'm glad I didn't watch it um, yeah The Visit again his movies have good premises like the idea sounds good The Visit um, was about uh, these two kids staying with their grandparents for the first time and their mother is estranged from her parents. Um, like she hasn't seen them for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that the trailer sets it up, they showed the mother talking to um, talking to her parents, uh, like FaceTiming. I have to rewatch it again because I'm like, okay, so basically what ends up happening is the the grandparents turn out not to be the grandparents. They are mm-hmm. escaped uh, asylum patients, um, which is interesting. But the movie is basically like, don't hold on to grudges is basically what the, is the, the moral of the story, right? Okay, sure. Um, but <sighs> my whole thing was like, wait a minute. Even if you're estranged from your, your family, like the kids have never met met your parents, fine. I know they don't know what they look like, but the way that the trailer was cut, it's like they were FaceTiming each other. So I'm like, you didn't know that those weren't your parents? Yeah. I will say, I did not see the movie. So what I'm hoping what happened was when she did FaceTime her parents, they were her parents. And then after she got off the phone with them or in between the time that they got off the phone and she took the kids to the house, 
or she dropped the kids off at the uh, train station or whatever. That's what it was. That's when the asylum patients like swapped places. That's the only way that would make sense. Uh, sure, sure, sure. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, I mean, you haven't seen your parents for 15 years or whatever, but you literally just trust your kids with your parents. Like, I don't have that same relationship like that. And your parents have never met your kids. It's like you, you did all of that and you didn't use that time to like try and reconcile or at least start a conversation. No, you wait to the end of the end of the movie and then your parents are dead now because they were killed by the asylum patients. Mm-hmm. And your kids um, have been staying with strangers for the course of a week. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, last one, old, yeah. which came out, uh, was that, yeah, last year, came out last summer. Yeah, 2021. Uh-huh. Um, that one also was terrible, because he's back to that, you know, plot twist out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna ruin that one, because it's just a terrible movie. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, um... These families go on a, a vacation resort and they start aging on an island. Um, and then come to find out, apparently, some pharmaceutical company has been running uh, tests on them to see how long or what the effects of their drugs are on the human body as they age. And they can track this in, well, quote unquote, real time because you're aging that, you know, you're aging rapidly. They get uh, the survivors get off the island because, of course, there's some cryptic message at the beginning of the movie that gives them the key to escape the island at the end of the movie. (gasps) Excuse me. And um, yeah, the twist being that, oh, it's a pharmaceutical company that's that's following uh, that that orchestrated everything. But the island itself apparently is still mystical or magical and it ages people on its own. I'm like, well, wait, what? Because the entire okay. time, it's like, well, the island is aging. So the island is, is kind of like the bad guy or whatever. Like, you end up here, and this is what happens to you type of thing, right? So you can take that as, like, limbo or purgatory or hell or whatever. You can have all <laughs> kinds of conversations or, or analysis about that. But then yeah. to throw in this pharmaceutical company that's running tests on you as your twist it's like well that doesn't even make sense like that has nothing to do with anything that's another reason why i stopped watching his movies is because the twist has nothing to do with the actual story like usually with twist endings it's you know you have to set it up it did with the village it did but the, the other village, ones it doesn't yeah. seem like it does or or yeah the sixth sense like okay i could see that right it made sense with the story mm-hmm. you know but if you're gonna t- yeah this one didn't sound like it yeah I mean if you're gonna tell a story and then the twist is that um, you know aliens show up out of the sewer it's like well that has nothing to you didn't set any of that up <laughs> you know you don't have to give away your twist ending but yeah. like the twist has to tie back to something in the story usually sure. the beginning or at least like the second act right because mm-hmm. that's what you're twisting you're twisting something on its head right otherwise that's not a twist ending that's just contrived writing as we've discussed <laughs> contrived writing yeah like yes. that's an ending just for the sake of an ending like you did it because you wanted to which that's been done so often or like 
or like with parody or something that as a culture we've come to accept that in certain circumstances yeah like a, a bad movie that's 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 so bad that it's good kind of a thing yeah but in his case i'm like i don't think that's what you were going for dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> you failed at what you yeah, were going for I, yeah i just i don't know and again where i can give him some space and some grace is yeah he's only one person the yeah. story touches 50 different hands you know before it gets made it touches another you know 150 to 300 hands while it's being made and then it gets but here's to the, the audience thing, though. Yeah, but if you're if he's the director, right, and that's and the thing, the writer, it, it, exactly, it is on him. Yes, ultimately. yes. Well, because the thing is, is like if he's gonna get the if he's gonna get an award for best director, I'm not saying he ever did, but if he ever did, he's not gonna share that. Well, right. Well, but I mean, like, um, so if he writes his story or adapts the story, whatever, you know. You have the studio executives who say, you know, we're going to do it this way or we're going to market it this way or whatever. You have your actors who take on the character and they want to put in their their actors choices or whatever. So you have that. You have your screenwriter who has to take your what you've written and turn it into the film format or whatever. You have that. Mm -hmm. If your movie has special effects, you have people who how they want to interpret special effects and what is actually possible. Uh, with with uh, the special effects, so you have that, and then you have all of your cast and crew and this and that, everybody who's involved in order to take your vision and put it on screen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can give him a little bit of space to say, it's not easy when you write, or or what you when you go from script to screen. Right. right. And whatever it is that you do. I'm running into that problem now with my story. Like, I get it. That's why I'm able to give him a little bit more space. Where it's like, sure. I know it's not easy. But. Right. But. <laughs> but. Okay. So that's 10% mm-hmm. credit. Mm-hmm. We'll give him 10. Mm-hmm. Because the rest of it really is the director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the writer. And if he's the director, writer, creator, whatever, then mm-hmm. it is n- at least ninety percent on him. Yeah, like the, I would be more, I guess, sympathetic if he did what he could do, and then he was over, he was overwritten or overruled by the studio, because that does happen. Yeah, sure. That's a different. But not very often. Not though. often, but that's a different. Um, that's a different situation. That's what actually, as we talked in our last episode, that's what happened with Buffy, the movie, not the yeah. not the show. Yeah, um, sure, sure. Like the movie was supposed to be more like the show, and then the the powers that be at the studio turned it into a more of like a a light dark comedy or whatever. Yeah. Um, because he has such a low budget and he gets such a maximum of return, mm-hmm. he's given space by the studio to basically do what he wants. That's why he has creative control because that's not much of an investment for the studio. $5 million in an industry that makes billions is nothing. Right. And, you know, $5 million budget and your movie made $100 million yeah. at the box office, well, shit, you're good to go. That's 20 times your budget. You made a profit and then some. Mm-hmm. So, of course, mm-hmm. you can do whatever mm-hmm. you want. It's not going to cost us that much. Actually, it's not going to cost us anything. Yeah. Right. 
Right. There's no risk. Mm -hmm. He's 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 a pretty low risk uh, creator then for for yeah. you know like you said for studios and stuff for yeah. the movie the only, industry. The because... only reason why he has the taint that he has, I mean, outside like everything that I said, of course, is personal opinion, and some people may agree with that, but that's just an opinion. the The reason why he right. doesn't get as much uh, carte blanche as he did is because of s several of his movies were big budget failures after earth avatar oh, yeah. um what was the other one uh not lady in the water yeah lady in the water was one of the biggest ones um and uh the happening because the happening had a budget of mm. 48 to 60 million and it made 163 so it wasn't a it wasn't a it oh, wasn't okay. a failure, yeah. but it oh god, it was a terrible movie. It was a terrible it was movie. A... <laughs> so I mean just you know Yeah. On the business side of things, I will say he knows what he's doing on the business side. Um and yeah. horror has always been a genre where you can do things for a low budget and then get a higher return. Because if you if you just get enough people mm -hmm. to see your movie opening week or not even opening weekend, but you know, again, if your if your budget was ten or thirteen million, but you know you got fifty million at the box office, that's a moderate success. You've recouped your budget and and mm -hmm. made you know a little bit of a profit, and you can use that to fund mm -hmm. your next project. Um, get your name out right. there. You get more butts in the seats, more ticket sales, so on and so forth. Right. So I, I mm -hmm. as on the business side of it, and. As a creative myself, I can understand why he does what he does. As a as a viewer, as a consumer of of this type of stuff, I like, dude, you got to do better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your movies aren't scary. scary and they're they're boring, and I don't know what it is about your dialogue boring. where yeah. you have to have these dramatic pauses between every sentence. I just don't get it. Every sentence, goodness. Like, I know I talk fast, yeah. I do. Um, but it should not take 20 minutes but, to have, you know, a simple greeting. <laughs> Hi, Tammy. Dramatic pause. <laughs> Hi, Byron. Dramatic pause. How is your day? Dramatic pause. Like, freaking A! <laughs> goodness. Yeah, stop right? dramatic pause. Hey, Tammy, how yeah. you doing? Pretty good, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> oh my gosh, five seconds. Yep, exactly. That well, he's got to drag it out. If his yeah. movie is boring anyway, he's got to drag it out for time's sake. Oh my gosh. But then fill it up with like some more scary stuff, like some suspense. Yeah. Give me backstory about why the aliens came to Earth, if, if this oh, is yeah. signs, that, right? That, that's an idea. Yeah. You know, like if you're doing the crop sign or crop circles or whatever, is that like, is that it? Is there a certain sequence of like, is it spelling out something for the aliens to come? Did they see this? And it goes, oh, that's our ancient handwriting. And yeah. you know what? We came here eons ago and created the humans. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be a little bit more yeah. interesting than just they kept flashing back. And I get his wife dying was supposed to be important. But um, the message that she gives him, Mel Gibson's character, yeah. is supposed to be important. But the problem is like it doesn't make any sense yeah and then even at the end of the movie you're just like what <laughs> so anyway, well unfortunately yes. we gotta wrap up yeah that's all i gotta say 
that's that's because coincidentally I have to pee really bad too. <laughs> every time, every time, mm. and this one it wasn't even our longest one. That's okay. I want to take a break, but <laughs> yeah. So that's 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 uh, Byron's opinion and mine too, because uh, again <laughs> I've only seen one. But I actually after that, like I said, I might see, I I would maybe be inclined to see that one again, but I would never recommend it, and I I've never. Just watching any kind of ads for the other ones, I've never been moved to go see another one. Yeah, I just have not. I kind so, of, I don't know. Since Doug liked Unbreakable, and, and I, again, I liked it up until the end. Yeah, I don't want to subject you to this, but if you do watch it, I kind of want you to watch yeah. and see like what your take would be. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we probably will because he wants to see it again. So. Mm-hmm. All I right, just, and we'll come back know. to this, but. I have anyway. to refer back to our last episode when we talked about Joss Whedon, and I have to say, yeah, so Doug and I went back and started Buffy at mm-hmm. season one, episode one, you know, about Hellmouth or whatever, mm-hmm. and we are extremely hooked. Yes. Season one is great, too. I, I like it for what it is. I'm okay with, you know, the the, the mid-90s, yeah. you know. Wow, that was mid-90s. But I'm okay with that because, you know, I was a grown-up. Liz was three when this TV show came out. So I'm, you know, I'm all right with the whole 90s thing. It's like watching It's like watching Scary Clueless. <laughs> it really is. But, I mean, it's it's fun because, I mean, that that's just the way it is, right? And I'm, I'm looking forward to how it progresses and all that. But, yeah, I'm hooked. The action is fantastic. It's really good. So I just yes. want to do that before now. Go ahead and tell them about the music, and we got to get we got to get going here. Yes. All right. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, the music at the beginning of this podcast and at the end is from my album. The album is called Square One. The song mm-hmm. is called Very Well I Know. Mm-hmm. You can find that on any streaming platform. Uh, you can get a physical copy from Amazon if you like. You can stream it on Amazon if you like. Whatever. Mm-hmm. The link will be in the description. You can also find my music on another podcast, Women Committing Crimes. Uh, mm-hmm. The songs used there are Forgive Me and Who. Yes. Uh, Women Committing Crimes is hosted by, of course, Mrs. Tammy Chase. You know, about all me. kinds of women committing <laughs> all kinds of crimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can reach us and tell us your M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong yes, stories. Yes, please. I'd love, to, I'd love to read that. Yes, uh, you can email us at offkilter, no filter at yahoo.com. Uh, you can also reach us on Facebook at uh, offkilter, Facebook, uh, excuse me, offkilter, no filter Facebook group, goodness. Or you can tweet us at no kilter and tell us your M. Night Shyamalan stories. Maybe you really like his movies, and that's fine. Hey, you're yeah. entitled to your opinion. Change our There's mind. Change nothing our mind. wrong with that. Nope, change um, our mind. I just don't. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, uh, yes. I'm going to let Tammy go pee. Yes. And I'm going to sign off. So we will see you guys next time. So yes. stay yes. safe, everybody. Yep. We love you. And yeah, stay safe. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.